Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace show, where we're creating a conversation for what God's doing through Christians in the marketplace. I'm Sean Bowles, and my co-host is Bob Hassan. We interview everyday influencers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs from all areas of industry, exposing you to powerful stories of what God's doing through people just like you. We're also sharing our thoughts about what God's doing in finance, business, entertainment, and politics. Come join the conversation now. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace. I am Bob Hassan with Sean Bowles. Sean, what's going on today? Well, we have an incredible person who cares about the environment and sustainability and has started a company that's one of the fastest growing companies in the world, not just like in his country of Canada, but in the world. Brad Patterson had an early start to his entrepreneurial endeavors, creating a woodcutting business at 16 years of age. He also had one of the biggest uh, toy companies in the world where he distributed over a billion pieces of plastic. So it's interesting that he's doing sustainability and wow. environmental friendly company now, but his faith story is gonna lead us through his highs and lows, bankruptcies, and some of the hard things he's had to walk through. And there's a new book coming out as well later on in the year that I think he'll tell us a little bit about. But up next is Brad Pedersen right here on Exploring the Marketplace. You're gonna get a free resource, the Translating God Workbook and Masterclass. You don't need Translating God, my best-selling book, to do the workbook, it's actually standalone, and it's gonna teach you how to take your relationship with God, the way you hear him, and actually transform your life and the world around you. The masterclass, I get to coach you for hours about your relationship with God, how to hear his voice, and how to impact the world as well. If you make a donation to us of any amount, doesn't matter if you get $5 or $25 or $5,000, we're gonna give you something back. You're gonna get a free resource that we send back your way to sow back into you because we believe and investing back to those who are on the journey with us. And I'm so excited to be able to offer it to the whole world for free because of generous donations from everyday listeners and viewers like you. I wanna encourage you to make a donation at bullsministries.com. I can't wait to give to you as you sow into this ministry. Well, welcome back. We're here with Brad Pedersen. Brad, welcome to the show. Guys, it's so good to be here. I'm um, really looking forward to our conversation today. Well, we are too, and we're going to talk about your book in just a few minutes, but before we get there, you've had quite a journey with God from YWAM to a toy company, and now you're really all about sustainability, and you've created some products and a company around that. So I want to hear, like, just take us on the journey. Take us on the journey of how you got from A to a Z, because I'm sure it's not just a one, two, three story. It's very interesting. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for asking. Um, look, I think we're all on journeys and I think that it's just a part of what we're supposed to do. Um, you know, I, I heard it said that, you know, our life is God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift back to God. And uh, at an early age, um, I had very entrepreneurial tendencies. I, you know, as a young kid, I started businesses. Um, some of your listeners may relate. I was sneaking to golf courses and collecting golf balls, <laughs> going into the pond and then selling them in egg cartons to people who would buy them, uh, kicking. Our, I live in Canada, so we get a lot of snow here. And people would put money in meters. Remember, we used to do that before, you know, tap pay. Yeah. And if they dropped in the snow, they couldn't be bothered to go find it. So they just pull another coin. I'd find, kick around these meters. I'd find all these coins. Um, and I even had a woodcutting business. Um, you know, my, my father, um, he, we lived out in an acreage. Uh, he had a truck, a chainsaw, a uh, bunch of uh, malls and axes, and we had access to all this land with trees on it. So I would, I'd say it's a perfect business because I had no overhead. I used all his equipment. I just had to put my sweat equity into it, split wood, and sell it uh, cheaper than the competition. And of course, I was young and eager, so I got a lot of business that way. So 
you know, early days of entrepreneurship uh, had me curious about what are the possibilities of creating an enterprise. And, um, you know, that led me to a path where I went into a network marketing company for a while, which looking back on that, that was an amazing uh, opportunity to become a lifelong learner, just immersed in like audio and books and just education. And again, more curiosity about possibilities. And eventually I read an article in a magazine about a kid who invented a toy and it was kind of a rags riches story. And I've always considered myself a big kid. In fact, my wife still attests to that to this day. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that took me on this path down the toy business. And uh, the toy business was not for the faint of heart. It's very exciting, but things go up very quickly and means they also come down very quickly. And I've come to learn there's no such thing as kind of a steady toy company. <laughs> you are either selling a lot or you're not selling anything. It's very oh. and fend focused. So, um, that was an amazing experience and also a crucible because in that journey, I uh, crashed and burned some of my business opportunities. In fact, I've, I've gone bankrupt three times. Uh, I clearly didn't learn enough from the first two times that I decided to do it one more time just for fun. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, you know, looking back on it, it was a terrible thing in the moment, but ultimately it always led to a better opportunity. I've really come to learn that, you know, often the best gifts come wrapped in ugly paper. So Anyways, I'm trying to go through this quickly, but that led to eventually building a toy company that was successful, having an exit and giving myself the freedom to reimagine a future. And I always had a little bit of conflict about toys and we can talk about that in a, in a bit, but that landed me in this company I'm currently co-founder in called Pila. We're the creators of Lomi and Lomi is the world's first smart waste device. It literally takes organic waste and turns it into healthy uh, earth while you sleep and uh something that's amazing i so I, I have to say this about that bob real fast because my wife and your wife uh yeah. bob's wife are avid gardeners grow their own food look at and they care about sustainability like i'll listen to them together and they're talking about the the earth's blue zones they're talking about how do we heal our soil that's you know been so damaged in the world it might run out after 60 years of time and how do we heal this? And so Bob and I have been brought to this conversation and I have actually talked about this at length so many times. And then we meet you and I love that you're part of your company is that you're helping people to have a bite-sized piece control over this very issue right now. So we're so glad that you're doing this. I just wanted to say thank you for doing this mm-hmm. even before we end the rest of the interview because it's so powerful and so palatable to our listeners. But go ahead, Bob, you, you had a question. You know, Brad, I was going to ask about your heart. You said you've been bankrupt three times and and the agony that you must have gone through and wondering, like, has God left me? How does your heart and, and, and your spirit, like, coincide together to recognize that, look, I've got to persevere through this? Talk to our listeners and viewers about how you handled that uh, that conflict. Yeah, great question. Look, um, here's the thing I've come to learn about our human experience. We don't tend to learn much from success. Right. Success is actually a very poor teacher. In fact, often success just sugarcoats our problems. Mm -hmm. Um, More money, more problems. It it just makes you more of who you really are, quite frankly. Um, if, If you think about where the heroes of antiquity um, landed. And I go back and and look at all the greatest characters uh, from the Old Testament. Literally every single one of those people failed at a pretty high level. 
before they became very instrumental in God's kingdom. And so, you know, for myself, um, as I reflect back on it now, and of course it's easy to do it now in the moment it sucked. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I've had, uh, I've had a gift of being able to scale companies and to do so quickly. And, uh, I've come to learn since that scaling businesses is kind of a two-edged sword. Um, you know, growing something fast, if you don't have the right resources, the right people, capital, um, and our processes, uh, your business becomes vulnerable and you can also crash it very easily. So my first bankruptcy was literally, we grew too fast. We outstripped our balance sheets and got upside down our covenants and the bank called our loans. Yeah. And uh, so we, we learned that you can choke by biting off more than you can chew than uh, versus starting from lack of opportunity. And so the point of all of it, getting to your question, is that in those moments, I was humbled. You know, I think, you know, pride is the original sin. Lucifer thought he could be like God. And our humanity is very suspect to it. And when you're growing a company and things are rolling, it's easy to let pride and ego get in the way. And I really believe that ego ultimately becomes the enemy. And uh, for me, not that I wish this on your listeners, but uh, going through those bankruptcies was a humbling process and really took, you know, my world down to a very small level where I could only focus on my circle of control. Mm-hmm. And there's only things you can control, what you think, what you say, what you choose to feel. Your initial feeling you can't choose at a land, but what you choose to land on is yours. And then ultimately what you do. And... Um, and I just remember during those times um, feeling somewhat helpless and vulnerable. Yeah. That if I could only control those four things, that I was going to choose to do those to the best of my ability. And I can't tell you how many times I recited Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the Lord, with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will guide your paths. And it became my mantra, my therapy in moments that were very dark. Yeah, that's my life scripture too, uh, Brad. I understand exactly what you mean. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm so glad you shared this because I think a lot of people are listening too. It's mm-hmm. like we we don't realize that Christians are actually made for the day of adversity when things fail. We're made to run to the fire. We're made to run to the storm. Yeah. And even in our own lives, when there's a storm or fire, we see God in a special, unique way because we're walking and processing it with him that not everybody sees. You go to a hospital where there's Christians who are facing the same suffering as someone not, and if they're connected in their faith to who God is, they're going to have a different result because they have God walking with them and they're going to have a different process because of that as well, even if they have the same medical procedure. So I just think it's so beautiful for you to share what you've shared and and how you're in control of those four things. And that's all we have is it's kind of like keeping, you know, taking every thought captive and staying focused on who he is. It's, a, it's the same kind of principle, but I'm sure I want to talk about your book in a few minutes because I'm sure your book goes into some of this. Before we get there though, so you you end up transitioning from the toy company and you end up starting this, like what, what led you into sustainability? What led you into this kind of a company? Because it's unique, especially for Christians, because I feel like we're last in line when it comes to, like you said it earlier before I interviewed Genesis 1, we started out as gardeners, but we're last in line when it comes to environmentalism or when it comes to caretaking the earth, when it comes to agriculture, like it, it feels like there's some incredible Christians doing stuff. So I don't want to minimize what they're doing, but it seems like we're not, it's not one of the spaces that the church ever talks about or really empowers. 
So I, I love this question. <clears throat> I think you're going to find that based on my answer that I have a real passion for this subject. Um, look, I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what separates humans from all the living beings. <clears throat> and I've been able to break it down to three things that we're born for relationship. We actually thrive with quality relationships around us. You know, there are other creatures who live in a community to subsist and survive, but we actually thrive by building influence in our communities. We're called to create. We literally have called and co-create with God. And then we're empowered to choose. That's a unique God-given ability that only humans possess. And when you go back to the themes of Genesis 1, so during the six days of creation, there's two things that are happening. God's taking chaos and turning it to order. And then God's filling the newly created order with creation. And he says at the end of every day, it's good. And then creates mankind. And he says, it's very good. And then he gives us our original job description. It says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. So increase in number makes sense. We propagate. Fill the earth. Well, it seems to me the earth was already pretty full, right? I mean, God made a lot of stuff. Like, what does that mean? Well, God was basically saying, you should be co-creators with me. Take what I've started and finish it. Fill it with things that build value for both people and the planet. And subdue it, meaning you know what? there's some chaos still that has to be turned to order. You're going to continue to do what I started in taking the, the chaotic things and making them orderly to build value for people on the planet. And so literally we are, you know, when it says we're creating God's image, I'm not sure we physically look like God. We may or may not. You know, one day when I meet him, we'll find out. But certainly I believe we were commissioned to be his ambassadors on this planet, to be the gardeners, to be the caretakers. And unfortunately, we've let pride, ego, greed get in the way, and we've become incredible takers, taking value away from the plant and from other people and focusing on ourselves. And I really believe that we're called as Christians, as people who were placed on this planet with a purpose to continue to build value for the planet as well as people, and to do it in a way that's profitable, which means it's sustainable, right? We can actually do good things when we create profits that actually allow us to build more value for both people on the planet. So uh, to my story quickly on terms of the toy business, uh, I shipped billions of pieces of plastic around the planet, loved it. Putting smiles on kids' faces was super awesome, but I always felt conflict about it because most toys, most people don't realize it, but most toys end up in landfill within 90 days. People are saying, really? That's, that seems kind of crazy. And I'm not referring to your Legos or your Tonkas or things like that, but the majority of toys are impulse purchases, which are sub $10 near the cash checkout, you know, a Kinder Surprise Egg. Uh, well, I don't think the have in the States, but anyways. You know. <laughs> My daughter's going to sometimes. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah, we, you can get them in Canada, so we can send them down to you. Uh, apparently, it's illegal to do that, but it happens. <laughs> But, you know, you eat the egg, you get the toy, you play with it for a few minutes, and then it ends up in the garbage, and that goes to landfill. And plastic in landfill lasts hundreds, if not thousands of years. You know, God's economy doesn't have waste in it. Everything that dies or has an end of life becomes fuel and sustenance for something new life to begin. That's how God's economy works. It's humans that made something that is we make it, take it, use it, waste it, and then bury it so we don't get reminded about it. But it doesn't go away. <laughs> it takes a long time to go away. And in fact, it pollutes the planet in a really terrible way. So I felt conflict about that. And so uh, being a co-founder of Pila, this was a way for recompense. And I, I talk about being like Don Newton moments where I literally 
was going to commit the rest of my life to how could I create a more sustainable, um, scalable, sustainable business that would actually build value around people on the planet. And, and that's really the origin story. Wow. Well, that's phenomenal. That's actually so fascinating. What you just said is kind of like, yeah. it feels like a revelatory track. So it's really cool because it's, it's inspiring me. Brad, talk to us about then the listener, because I think it's really interesting that you're recreating your life right now. You're recreating your business through this. And I like that you call it recompense for shipping a billion pieces of plastic around the planet. Talk to us about the challenges, because you, you've also done this with somebody. Your partnership isn't necessarily uh, faith-based or Christian-based. And so even going into this, and in, has it been a hostile, not them, but has it been a hostile thing to do as far as like to apply principles of faith in, the, in an industry that sometimes isn't very friendly to new ideas or sustainability? Or is this something that's happening on the earth right now that it's easy to partner to? Yeah, look, I think <clears throat> all transformation starts with awareness. And um, I actually think that uh, Christians should be the, the biggest optimists and the biggest innovators because they know how the story ends. And quite frankly, if they believe that there is a higher power that's influencing their actions, why shouldn't we step out and have the courage to act? Um, you know, it, it, it kind of baffles me that often we find atheists, they act in confidence, whereas Christians wait for a sign from God. Um, and I, I, I think we're called to have the courage to try and to step out and to try things, knowing that we do have a higher power that, that guides our paths. Um, so being in a business where, you know, I think most people who have companies who like we have 120 employees and, uh, you know, we're not hiring people based upon their faith, but my job to live out that faith and, you know, we're called to be light and salt. And as a person of light, I've come to learn that there's two different types of light. Um, there's a spotlight, which when you shine a spotlight on someone, if you were having your eyes, it kind of repels you because you're, you're a little too bright. And then there's a campfire, which draws you in and keeps you close. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really, you know, again, my, my goal is to influence. And again, leadership is influence. And my, go my, my goal is to influence my team first because they're the most important. And then the marketplace in a way that shows that uh, godly leaders in business uh, should be and can be the greatest force for good in the planet today and to inspire hope. And um, quite frankly, I think businesses should be that. You know, we, we get confused that, you know, capitalism is greed and therefore it's bad. And actually, to be honest, I don't really love the word capitalism. I think, you know, it often is associated with greed. And, you know, people that are socialists or communists see that as the evil. They're both wrong because they're both focused on greed. One on greed of having more than others and the other that greed is the problem. The words I like to choose are free enterprise because I'm a real big fan of the word freedom. Mm -hmm. And if we're freedom makers, we're actually building more freedom for people. And uh, I think that is, that is a part of our calling. So as a leader in a company who has... Uh, a relationship with Jesus who understands his place in the marketplace. I am using my influence with my team to show that we have the opportunity to be the most proactive and progressive people for sustainability in both the business, as well as just being the caretakers that God called us to be. Yeah. I love that. It sounds like you're building a culture based on your love of the father and it's filtering down to your employees and I'm sure your vendors and partners and, uh, it, 
people are seeing that there's something different about the company. And I think especially your emphasis on sustainability uh, just marks you as a company as someone different. Yeah, look, I, and I think Maya Angelou said it best, you know, that people will forget what you say and they do, but they'll never forget the way you make them feel. Mm -hmm. And our, our role is to make people feel heard, loved, and valued, which we all should be. We should look at another human and we should see the light of God in them. That's, that is God's light that's been instilled in them. And my, my job is to, to love them. I mean, I love the fact that Jesus made it so simple. Love people and love God. And by doing both, you're loving the planet. You're, you're, you're you literally cannot disassociate that. It's part of the, the package. I have one uh, kind of final question before we talk. I want to talk about a book you have coming out uh, at the end of the year. I'm excited about this. But talk about how you brought your family on this journey or how your family's brought you on the journey or whatever it is. But talk about your family and just your wife. And I don't know how many kids you have, but just I would love to hear how your journey of going into sustainability has affected them and your journey of just this identity in Christ is so unique, the way you're expressing it has affected their lives. Yeah, great question. Well, first of all, I want to say that I married way up. Um, <laughs> my, we were talking before the show about our wives and the positive influence they've been on helping us be more empathetic in general. But um, my wife has been with me for 30 years, and uh, she probably should have hit the eject button a few times uh, based <laughs> on the, the challenges we put her through. Um, but she has been that solid rock foundation that has quite frankly allowed me to to be the risk taker and to step out and and really discover the potential within me um so you know i i say that the two most important decisions you're going to make in life are uh, outside of your faith is who do you marry and who do you get in business with and make sure you make those decisions very carefully because they have massive consequences to your quality of life going forward um and we have two kids. Uh, I have a son, Breton, who's 26, and a daughter, Megan, who's 24. Um, yes, that means we started pretty early because, um, um, you know, and, and I, I, I don't recommend this as a life plan. At 21, I was married. 23, I had kids, and we were bootstrapping a company. And uh, I remember at the time, it, it seemed like a really poor life choice and uh, likely was. Uh, but fast forward to today, um, we've built a quality of life as a family that is extraordinary and because um, we've achieved freedom. And freedom just gives you the options to invest in your values. And for me, my family has become my highest priority outside of my faith. And, uh, you know, my, my, my kids told me last year that it was the best year we've ever had as a family. And as I look back, wow. it really just speaks to the quality time and quite frankly, making up for the years that I was an absentee father because chasing my businesses. Um, you know, I, I tell people I have the, I have actually Air Canada sent me a jet. They sent me a, a, and I'm a million mile club. So they give you a jet. And I tell people it's my trophy of dishonor. Like literally that meant I was away from my family a lot. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, you can't, you can't roll back time, but you can wind up the clock. And that's the way we live life. That's wow. beautiful. Well, Talk to us about Startup Santa, your book that's coming out. Yeah, look, I um, it started off as a memoir. I just, you know, having lived in the toy business and uh, feeling like I had lived a lot of life with some high highs and low lows that I just wanted to record it in a way that uh, memorialized it. And as I started going through it, I, I had enough feedback from people to say that this is actually really valuable, that there's people who will be 
benefit from the wisdom of your wounds. Uh, most of my wisdom came from the wounds of experience. And, um, and, and then I also thought because I'm a toy guy, let's make it fun and playful. Um, you know, I am Canadian and I live in Canada, which uh, is, is home in the North Pole. So I am the real Santa Claus. So, <laughs> so Startup Santa is uh, the name of the book. And it's a toy maker's tale of 10 businesses, business lessons learned from timeless toys. It's wow. a bit of a mouthful, I know. But um, the idea being every chapter, take an iconic toy that you would know. So games like Jenga, Monopoly, and Etch-A-Sketch, and Hula Hoop, and um, play is about problem solving um, and human development. And I'm a big believer in, um, you know, George Bernard Shaw's, we don't stop playing because we get old, we get old because we stop playing, <laughs> is what I meant to say. Yeah. So the idea that play is a fundamental part of our, our human experience. And um, so the idea being, Here's the toy. Here's what it teaches us from the experience of play. Principles learned. My life story, something that I did, uh, what I, I learned from that, and then tying them together in terms of the way that uh, I think that we're we're meant to learn through the art of play. Oh, I can't wait to read it. I know our, our listeners and viewers are going to love the book too. But thanks for being with us. What's the best way people can get a hold of you? I know you the book anywhere books are sold once it comes out, but what's the best website for you? Well, I'd say go to my website, bradpeterson.com. In fact, if you go there now, um, when the book is released in the back half of 2023, uh, we'll send you the first chapter for free. So just go ahead and sign up there. Um, and, you know, go to lomi.com and uh, see what we're doing there. And uh, I'm, I'm not very active on social media, but uh, I think LinkedIn is about the only platform that I have any kind of presence um, but you know, happy to uh, engage with listeners in a way that helps build value in them. I really believe that that's what we're called to do. Well, we so appreciate you, and we so appreciate your time with us today. And I know you guys love this, but we have some final thoughts coming up next with Bob and I. I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to invite you to our Spiritual Growth Academy online, where you can attend a four-week class or an event every month, plus our back catalog is available to you as well, on spiritual gifts, especially hearing God's voice, and also a deeper connection to the Holy Spirit and how to walk with him in real ways in the days we're living in right now. Come join us at Spiritual Growth Academy by going to bullsministries.com and clicking on the Academy button. Well, we have final thoughts with Sean and Bob right here where we talk about some of the things that we are gleaning, some of the things we're learning, some of the things we're being inspired by about our guests. And Brad was just on and just hearing about his kind of philosophy and theology about God in the garden and our role as men and women. I think this is so fascinating, Bob, because you and I have been on this track with our wives dreaming and thinking about these kinds of same things. We haven't formed a product around it, but dreaming about some of the same things you talked about. How, how did this hit you, this whole interview? Well, I love the sustainability piece, but his perseverance uh, mm -hmm. is what hit me. Going bankrupt three times is, I mean, there can't be lower lows than that, except for death of a loved one. And when you have a death of a business and a bankruptcy, uh, it, it, it is, it is just gut wrenching. And, yeah. and to hear, to hear his perspective after the fact, I, I really thought um, that he was honest and vulnerable and open with us about it. Yeah. Not only that, I think even when we talk about his wife, like she had several times she could have left him in the midst of the process because it was that painful. It was that hard. And she stayed with him. And I think so many times our, our marriages, whether it's the male or the female or both, they're incubators for who God is inside of us and some of the things we're supposed to accomplish in life. 
Sometimes we have a mutual purpose in our marriage where our calling and destiny is tied together for some of the outward things we do in our career. Sometimes it's not, and we help incubate each other. But I think it was really beautiful to hear that. And I think for a lot of our listeners, maybe you haven't had that kind of support or that kind of relationship, or that kind of friendship to people in your life, especially your spouse. And I think it was so inspirational to hear the fruit of that because now we see them like they have this incredible fastest growing company mm-hmm. in this environmental space and they're doing it out of, he's doing it out of such a kingdom mindset, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like he went through, he paid some dues, he paid some prices and he learned from his pain to be able to get to this place. And even that, when he talked about that uh, airplane on his desk being a trophy of what do you call it? Uh, absentee fatherdom, you know, like yeah. I thought that was really profound that he has the self-awareness and uh, the vulnerability to share from that place because you get that authenticity actually causes our audience. It caused me to grow when I was listening to him. Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, when when my boys were young, we have two boys and two girls. When my boys were young, I was gone a lot. Um, I, I wasn't flying a lot, but I was out on job sites. And I was able to transition uh, for when my girls uh, were younger. I was home more. And, and it was it was a really hard thing to look back and think that I was an absentee father, but, but God uses everything. And we've got four well-adjusted kids. And, you know, when he was talking about his wife, I I remember, you know, in my business career, there was a time when it looked like I was going to go bankrupt and I'd isolated and, and become quiet. And Lauren, you know, finally said, honey, what is going on after months of me being absent? And when I told her what was going on, she said, oh, you know, we can pray about that. And we and I I just have such an amazing wife and an amazing partner that it gave me the courage to, you know, make some really hard decisions and and soldier on. And I was thinking about that as Brad was talking and loved, loved the story. Me too. And I think obviously many of our uh, viewers and listeners just like you are hearing this and it's causing you to maybe pray differently or think about praying differently to God. I want to encourage you no matter where you're at, God has a plan for your life and he has a purpose mm-hmm. on your calling and your destiny. And I love that Brad's story today is so relevant to so many of us. And maybe you're not in the upswing where God is redeeming and restoring, but you will be. And so I'm going to encourage you to stay involved with hearing these positive stories of how God moves and makes a difference in our life. If you have Jesus leading you as the Lord of your life, you will have a different result than you would have had without him. And it's going to be a much better result. John 10, 10 says it's an abundant life. So we Love to be able to present these stories to you, and we hope to see you next time on Exploring the Marketplace. Thanks for exploring what God is doing in the marketplace with us. We have amazing resources for you at our website with free videos, take an online class with us at our online school, Spiritual Growth Academy, or get one of our books, including the one Bob and I authored together, Wired to Hear. We have lots of ways to connect with you. Come visit us on social media. Just look for at Sean Bowles or at Bob Hassan, or visit bowlesministries.com. This show is made possible by listeners just like you. Become a partner or donate now to become part of our team. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it on your socials or help us review it on the podcast server you found us on. See you next time.